0: Speaking of a family time with Jesus, his parents, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to uh, the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, They traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. That's a nice way to translate that word, by the way. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. May God bless the reading of his word. That song... uh, talks about youth. And the funny thing about it is it always makes me feel young again. It sort of takes me back uh, to my youth. We used to sing that a lot in the little church that I grew up in. And so it sort of has a double meaning there. And the interesting thing is, too, this story that we just read kind of takes you back to Bible class as a kid, doesn't it? I never understood why we chose this story to teach our children. Um, Because if you think about it, It's got some interesting questions that arise in this story of the boy Jesus. It's a marvelous story uh, because in it we get a glimpse of Jesus and really our only picture of him between being an infant and an adult. In this story of Jesus in the temple there in Jerusalem, we hear his first words Now, by the time this story occurs, Jesus is 12 years old, but in Scripture, he hasn't yet spoken, has he? So here in this little story, we we guess that he was speaking before he got to be 12, but this is the first time that we actually get to hear the words of Jesus. In this story, we get a little glimpse of his family life and maybe what it was like growing up in Nazareth among a very religious family that was very devoted and made this trip from Nazareth to Jerusalem every year to participate in the Passover. In this story, we see Jesus right there on the verge of his teenage years. Uh, Any of you remember teenage years? Uh, no? Okay, a little bit. The, the memory grows dimmer and dimmer as it goes on. But we remember that time as a very good time and then a time also of great angst and, and change and struggle and, and realize that, that Jesus was going through a lot of those same things at this very time that this story occurred. But the really neat thing about this story is that in it, we get to know Jesus just a little bit better. What a blessing that is. Every opportunity that we have to get inside the head and heart of Jesus is a great opportunity. Because every little bit more that we come to know about him and appreciate about him and to identify with him as a human being as he went through this developmental stages that, that many of us have already gone through, some of us are still looking at going through. But that just makes it kind of neat, doesn't it? To realize that Jesus went through those same things that we did as well. It's a very simple story a story of Jesus traveling with his family and it, the way it's told it sort of sounds like maybe this is the first time that he had actually made this trip although we don't know that it doesn't say that explicitly but it does say that Jesus family made it every year this was something that they all excuse me always did and it was quite a sacrifice to get together and to make this trip Once a year because it was a trip that mainly was walking at least around a four day journey it took to get from Nazareth down to or up to Jerusalem to participate in the Passover feast and particularly at this time he does go with them and they celebrate the Passover. They probably go through the same rituals and everything that they've always done, and then it's time to go home, and they go home, and Mary and Joseph look around, and they say, well, Jesus isn't with us, but they've traveled with their extended family, their holiday family here, and and they think, well, he's he's with a cousin, or he's with an aunt and uncle, or he's with friends, and then when they finally get to the place where they're going to spend the night, they start looking for him and can't find him, become quite concerned, and so head back to Jerusalem, look around. takes a total of three days before they finally locate him. Find him there in the temple, which raises some questions, doesn't it? The main question I've always had about this story is, where did he spend the night? Uh, I don't know if that's something you've been concerned about, but I always was concerned, well, all right, I understand that he spent the days in the temple talking to the teachers of the law, but what did he do at night? Where did he go? Where did he stay? Uh, I wish that Luke had told us that so I could settle down and quit worrying about it. But anyway, they find him there, and, and of course, they, they register amazement. Everybody else is amazed that Jesus, this 12-year-old boy, is able to carry on an intelligent conversation with these highly educated men. The parents are astonished or amazed that he would do this to them, that he would just disappear on them, and Mary tells the frustration is, don't you know that your dad and I were looking for you? And he says, speaking of dad, don't you know this is my dad's house, and I've got to be here doing these things, it says that they didn't quite get that at that point, and Yet they gathered him up and they all went back home and says Jesus was a good son, that he was obedient to them and continued growing through this maturing process. So interesting little story and if you've ever been to Bible class for much time at all, you've been taught that story. Well, this morning, we got a few minutes left just to sort of back up and look at it and say, well, why did Luke include this? You know, Luke wrote a research paper on Jesus. If you read the opening statement of, of the Gospel of Luke... He's writing to one of his friends named Theophilus, and he says, I wanted to write you and tell you all about Jesus and his growing up in ministry and, and what happened with him. And and so I, I read all these sources, and so he did a research paper. And you know, just like when you do research papers, you got a lot more information than you want to put in, so you, you pick and choose the stories. And so why did Luke choose to put this story in when Matthew and Mark and John didn't choose to put this story in? Well, one reason is that it really does set a lot of the themes of Luke's gospel. When we take a step back and look at this story, we we see several ideas that Luke is going to come back to constantly within his gospel, and they're all wrapped up together in this little story of Jesus when he was 12 years old. For example, using this story, he gets to bring up the theme of the journey to Jerusalem. Here, as far as we know, the first time we hear Jesus making the journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. But it won't be the last time we hear the story of Jesus making a journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. In fact, much of Luke's gospel is about the last time that Jesus travels from Galilee to Jerusalem. And he follows him closely there and the things that happen. And we know that, that we hear the music in the background as Jesus makes that last journey as it grows more and more ominous. Because he knows what's going to happen when he gets there for the last time. And he begins to make his disciples aware of what's going to happen. And then he gets there and there it is. You know, that last Passover that he, he, he celebrates in Jerusalem. The last time he enters that city. Well, here's the first time, as far as we know, that he makes the trip. And it it just sort of sets the stage. And those of us who have read this gospel many times begin to hear that theme music, don't we, of Jesus journeying to Jerusalem. Another thing that it sets the stage for is this is the first time, as far as we know, that he has any dealings with teachers of the law. Is he going to talk to any teachers of the law throughout his ministry? Oh, yeah. In fact, much of his ministry is wrapped up in these conversations that he continues to have with these same guys that he's talking to when he's 12 years old. Now, when he's 12 years old, his reception is quite positive, isn't it? They're going, wow, what a precocious child. You know, this guy's a genius. How can he know all these things about God's law? How can he ask us these questions? And how can he answer our questions? So you know that some of these teachers went home to their wives at night saying, there is this kid in the temple that's just amazing. The things he understands and the things he thinks about and, and the questions that he's asking. However, throughout the Gospel of Luke, it doesn't remain quite that positive, does it? Because they begin to realize as they talk to the adult Jesus that he has some different ideas. And that he's calling them on the carpet. And he's questioning their understanding of the law, and he's challenging them to see a deeper level of the things that God has established and has seen. And even presents himself as the one who fulfills the law that they've been teaching. But here in this little story, we hear the opening notes of that theme that Jesus is first for the first time, encounters these men who will become very, very important to his ministry. And the events of his life. Also, in this little story, we hear a minor chord struck. When we hear that Jesus' parents looked for him for how long? Three days. Three days. I don't have to tell you what important theme that plays in Jesus' life. As we begin here at the beginning of the gospel hearing of people being separated from Jesus for three days. Of of being frustrated about what's going on and where is he? He's hidden. And then after three days discovering him again. And the joy but also the confusion and the fear that went into all of that. It begins to lay the foundation for what will happen at the end of the story. When Jesus once again is hidden from those who love him for three days. And then they find him again. And they rejoice, but they're confused and they're a little afraid. It also lays the important theme of the temple. Now, this is one thing that I have to confess that I don't really think of Jesus' connection with the temple very often. I always see Jesus out by the lakeside teaching, you know, or, or on the road teaching, and, and I just put him in different places. But Jesus spent much of his ministry in the temple. And the temple was an important place for him. And here at the beginning of his his, uh, public life, he says, this is where I need to be. I need to be in my father's house. And at the end of his ministry, whenever he's arrested, what does he say to them? He says, why are you coming out here and arresting me like a thief? I was in the temple every day, teaching and with you. Why didn't you come and get me then? And we know also... That there at the trial of Jesus, what is it that finally sticks? You know, they keep throwing charges against him and trying to convict him so that they can, can sentence him to death. And the charge that finally gets a little traction is that he spoke against the temple. So the temple is important to him. Those last days of his ministry, one of the last things he did was go in and clean that place out because it offended him that other people didn't realize what the purpose of his father's house was. And in fact, in that instance, he even goes to the point of saying, this is my house. So Luke begins here at at the opening part of his gospel by reminding us how important the temple is. And another theme that struck here is the obedience of Jesus. Because there at the end it says that Jesus went back to Nazareth and and he was an obedient young man to his parents. It strikes the, the, the theme to us to realize that obedience didn't come any easier to Jesus than it comes to us. That just like we struggle with deciding between doing what's right and what we want to do, that Jesus himself had those same struggles as well. In fact, later on in the book of Hebrews, the writer there reflects, he says, even though he was the son of God, he had to learn obedience through what he suffered. So we can identify with that, can't we? That we ourselves have to whip ourselves into shape at times and realize that we need to do what is right And we have to also respect those who have authority over us in various settings in our life. Even though sometimes we may think we have a better idea than they do. Whether it be a parent-child relationship or a boss-employee relationship. That we struggle with that idea of being obedient. And Jesus struggled with it too. But he did. This little instance with his parents and Jesus' struggle with obedience gives us a little glimpse of a rather messy moment in family life. And one of the things that endears this story to us is to realize that everything in Jesus' family didn't just click along one, two, three, four either. I think it's especially important that this is a holiday uh, story about family life. You know, for most of us, Thanksgiving, Christmas are sort of the major holidays in our family. That's when we all get together. Well, for Jewish families, today even, and especially back then in Jesus' time, it was the Passover time. That was the big holiday. That's when all the cousins and the aunts and the uncles and everyone all got together. And in Jesus' case, they all traveled together, you know, all the way to Jerusalem, all the way back. This whole thing took a couple of weeks to happen. You got to spend a couple of weeks with your brother-in-law. You think it all went just real well? Well, I mean, we can only imagine, you know, what, what family tensions there might have been. Those little misunderstandings. Somebody says something and somebody misinterprets it. Or somebody looks at somebody and they think, oh, what did I do? And all those things that go on. Well, here we have a story of this preteen Jesus beginning to act like a teenager and we get a little bit of a glimpse of that struggle there that happens in all families Whenever kids approach the age where they can do things a little differently and for themselves and begin to make some of their own decisions. And for Jesus, it was even more highlighted because not only was he a good and and intelligent child becoming a young man, but he was the son of God growing up and becoming a young man as well. And we know all about those struggles, some of us from both sides. You know, growing up as a child, do you remember when your parents just hovered over you and you just wanted to push them away and say, I can do this myself. And you begin to wonder, why can't they understand I'm growing up, and I'm can. i I'm, I'm not a little baby anymore, and I want to do this by myself. And then from the parent's side, they're really struggling too, thinking, well, the child is growing up, but I don't know if they're ready to do this by themselves or not. And, and we think about how the progression goes. I, I remember taking my children to school, holding them by the hand, and taking them all the way to the classroom. You know, walking down the hall and they're waving at their friends and saying you're holding them by the hand. Well, that quickly stops. Yeah? And then you're just pulling up at the door and letting them out at the front door. And it's not long until they're in middle school and you're having to stop a block away from the school and let them out. Because they don't want anyone to know they have parents and they don't want anyone to know that their parents drive a minivan instead of a Mercedes. You, know, and you just have this process going on, don't we? Of pulling and struggling. And here it is going on in Jesus' life and in Mary and Joseph's life. And one thing before we move on that, to the kids and to the parents, you know, it's a reminder to us that this is a struggle on both sides. That you can't just gloss over this. You kids need to know that, that your parents struggle with this. They want to make you independent. They want to let you go, but then they don't want to let you go. And how you do that in a way that, that is really healthy for you, it, it, you know, there's no instruction book. You didn't come with instructions, and every one of you is different. And how do you do that is, is a matter of prayer and effort. And so you've got to work with them on it. And parents, you've got to realize you've got to work with your kids on it, too, because they're scared to let go of your hand, and yet they want to let go of your hand. And It's just a classic uh, problem within families of, of dealing with those kinds of dynamics. And here we have Jesus exerting some independence from his parents, and they don't quite get it. They didn't even get it later. If you keep reading in Luke's gospel, especially if you go back to Mark's gospel, he even sort of highlights it more. At one point when Jesus is all grown up, his mother and his brothers come get him because they're afraid he's lost his mind. You know, some of the things that he's doing and they're scared for him. They're beginning to hear people say, he needs to be arrested. He needs to be put away. He needs to be executed. They're, They're hearing all these things, so they go and try to get him. And Jesus has to once again say, no, I know what I'm doing. You know, just, just, you know, my whole family's bigger than just you. So, we get that theme here in this story as well. And we don't need to brush that aside, because here we have Jesus making a rather big statement about the fact that he's growing up and that he realizes that he has more to accomplish than the average person has to accomplish. But that's still not the lesson I want us to look at in here. I've got to do the rest of this in a couple of minutes. One of the themes that really jumps out here in this story is, is one that, that I want to take from it after looking at it through the week. There's a word that pops up a couple of times in this story. It's the word amazed. The teachers of the law were amazed at this child just on the verge of being a young man. You know, what he could do and and his understanding. His parents are amazed that he would do this. (laughs) that, That he would make this decision to stay behind and to spend his time in the temple without telling them. It's not the first time or the last time that people are amazed at Jesus. If we back up in the story, we already find that people have been amazed at him. And if we push ahead into the story... We're just over and over, we're going to find people are amazed at him. He gets up and preaches his first sermon. What's the response? The people are amazed. When he stands up in the boat and calms the storm, what's the response of the disciples? They're amazed. Whenever he goes and raises Jairus' daughter, the family looks at him in amazement. Whenever he casts out demons, two or three times it's, it's, it's pointed out that the people are just amazed that he did that. Whenever he sits down to dinner and doesn't go through all the Jewish ceremony of washing his hands, those who have done that look at him and they're amazed that he, a teacher of the law, he, a rabbi, would not keep the tradition of washing his hands. Whenever he answers the, pe- the teachers of the law question at the end of the story about taxation and things like that, the people are amazed. And then those travelers to the road, on the road to Emmaus talk about how amazed they are at what they're hearing about Jesus. Those of who encountered Jesus in his lifetime were constantly amazed at him. Those of us who hear this story of him in the temple, you've got to, if you think about it at all, you're a little amazed and puzzled by some of the details. Good. Don't you ever, ever feel like you have him figured out? One of the things I think Luke wants to do with this story is to knock us a little off balance about Jesus. You think you know Jesus then you're wrong. You think you have him figured out and you know how he would respond in every situation? Then you're wrong. Because Jesus is amazing. Jesus is beyond our understanding. Yes, he will come and live with us. He will make himself accessible to us. He will comfort us. He will redeem us. He will save us. But you will never totally understand him. And if you ever get to the point where you think you know what he's going to do and how he's going to do it, then all you're setting yourself up for is frustration and disappointment. I have known people who have given up on their faith because Jesus did not do what they thought he should do. They run into a situation in their life and they say, if Jesus loved me, if God loved me, he would have done this. Luke is here to tell us that You don't have him figured out. And a part of faith is is trusting him. Trusting him to know more than you know. Trusting him to see a bigger picture than you see. Trusting him to hold on to you and to love you. Even when he doesn't do it just like you think he should and would. From this story, let us take away an amazement. Let us walk away from this story shaking our heads saying, I don't understand that guy. But let us walk away from this story with the assurance that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, your Savior, loves you. And what he does is for your benefit. And he will take care of you if you will put yourself into his arms and under his care. Let's stand and sing.